Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Are you glad that he's yours tonight? Amen. Are you glad that he's yours tonight? Out of seven plus billion people that you have an opportunity tonight to say he belongs to me and I belong to him. Do you really understand that tonight? That he's given you this divine privilege and opportunity to be called a child of God. We are thankful for that tonight, Lord. We are a blessed people tonight. Amen, amen, amen. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. I am thankful for all that God is doing right now. Amen. And I would not want to miss a single service, a single opportunity to be around God's people. You say, well, we say that all the time. Yeah, but I mean it. I would not want to miss one opportunity. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Judges chapter 20. Read verses 14 through 16. Judges 14, Judges 20 verse 14 says, But the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities unto Gibeah to go out to battle against the children of Israel. And the children of Benjamin were numbered at that time out of the cities, twenty and six thousand men that drew sword. Beside the inhabitants of Gibeah, which were numbered 700 chosen men. Among all this people, there were 700 men left-handed. Everyone could sling stones at a hairbreadth and not miss. Tonight, for just a little while, I want to talk to you, continuing on where we left off. Nigh is not enough. With the subtitle, We Can't Miss. We can't miss. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your presence that is in this place. God, I need your help tonight. Would you stand with me, God? Let your word be in my heart and in my mouth. God, I pray that you would open every ear and heart, Lord, to receive this word. God, I pray right now that you would open our eyes and let us be ever more alert, God, and in tune to what you're doing. God, that we be battle ready every day. God, whether we're a child or an elder, a man or a woman, God, that we be ready, oh God, at any hour. And that we understand, God, the responsibility and the weight, oh God, that lies upon our shoulders. God, speak to us tonight, Lord. Lead us and guide us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. You can be seated tonight. Here we find that 26,000 men came to fight and ready for war. 26,000 plus 700 inhabitants of Gibeah. Among all this people, there were 700 chosen men left-handed. Everyone could sling stones at a hairbreadth and not miss. 700 men 
Each one of them unique. But each one of them could not miss. Earlier in Judges 3, it mentions one by the name of Ehud, who was also left-handed. He was also from the tribe of Benjamin. And now here we find 700 that are in addition to the men of war that Benjamin already has. Except this time it's 700 men, all who were left-handed. Not a sword with their left hand. Not the weapon of choice for most, but a sling that they have chosen to be their weapon. While that does not seem so far-fetched and crazy to us, because we know one of the greatest truths and stories in the Word of God, and that is when a young shepherd boy defeated a mighty giant using a sling. So in our mind, hearing that they used slings was not... Such a crazy idea because slings can take out giants. Slings can help a young boy win in battle. The sling, however, is the natural weapon of a people which are poor. And it's imperfectly armed. The sling was also utilized by those who could not lift the weighty sword. It was used by one that could not afford to pay the price for a sword. Or were too young to go to battle. So all they had was a measly sling. The sling was light to carry and it was cheap to produce. Ammunition in the form of stones, however, was readily available. And often to be found near the site of battle. But there was an enemy of the children of Israel that had taken whatever they could find, and they had mastered the mundane. They took whatever they could find around them, whatever stone was laying around, and that became ammunition for their measly weapon. They took anything and everything they could to take out the adversary. It didn't matter if it was sharp or smooth. If it was there, they were going to use it. With the sword, they had to be close to do the damage. With the sword, they had to get right up near their opponent and poke them and slice them. But with this weapon, they could harm from afar. With this weapon, the enemy can stand at a distance and you can brush it off and say, well, they're not even close enough to hurt me. And you can kind of write the sling off and say, well, it's a cheap production. It's a cheap made thing and they're just using these little things to throw at me. But one that has taken this sling and a rock or a pebble that is beside them with the right force and the right direction, as we know, can take out giants. With the sling, they could injure or even kill you from far off. So it is with this that we have downplayed the sling. We've dumbed it down. Even with young David, we have stated it was Only by the help of God that the stone could kill that mighty giant. And I concur tonight. It was God's help. And David knew that. He said, you come at me with a sword and a spear. He didn't say, but I come to you with a sling and a stone. He said, I come to you in the name 
of the Lord. Even David knew the directive that's taking place here. And the narrative of this story is not about a young shepherd boy with a sling and a stone. But in the name of an almighty God. That's how I'm going to take you out. That's how I'm going to make this a possibility. But we have negated the fact that there was a boy who did know how to use a sling and he did have one in his possession and he didn't know what to do with it. But in their so-called limitation of having left-handedness but also having just a measly sling, they have practiced until perfection. The enemy has taken what he can And he has practiced it until he has perfected it. And he knows exactly what to do. He knows what to watch for. He knows what works. He knows every step that he needs to take with what he has to work with. There were others at battle, but these were not like the others. These were different They no doubt initially were probably not even viewed as a threat. They seemed harmless. They came as men with slings. Goliath even mocks David for coming to him with practically nothing at all. The sling was not something you saw and feared. Oh, you come to me with all... You you send this little child out here with a toy to defeat the almighty Goliath. How are you going to take me out with that? How are you going to defeat me? And so we too sometimes boast about the same thing as Goliath. And we've taken his narrative when we see our enemy coming at us with a sling. And we say, oh, it's just a little thing that the enemy's using. It's, it's just a toy that the enemy is coming at us with. It's just 700 men that are left-handed and, and that's a sign of weakness. And, and they're, they're going to use that and they're going to do it in their way. But it is in our disregard for these things that will ultimately lead to our demise. It may seem harmless... It may not seem like a threat. It may not seem blatant and as provoking as a sword or a spear. But don't you dare downplay the left-handed stone slingers. Because they know what they are doing. They have practiced. They have practiced until perfection and mastered the mundane. You say, well, well, there's nothing there. They have no ammunition. They will use whatever they find to tear you apart. They will use any part of your own life to tear you apart. Whatever's lying around, those little things that you've let lie, they will pick that very thing up and use to tear Take you out. They will come at you with everything that they've got. And sometimes there's an enemy after you and your children and your marriage and your church and your youth group and your Sunday school department. And it's coming with a sling and you downplay it because it's just a toy. It's just something small. But you've misunderstood that there is an adversary that has not missed not one time. There's an adversary that's after you. 
you that has pinpoint precision and knows how to take you out and knows how to come after you. So you hear me tonight. If there is an adversary that cannot miss, then I cannot afford to miss. If there is an enemy after my soul that has pinpoint precision when we go to war, then I better make sure that I know how to war, that I know what I'm watching for, that I know how to pray, that I know how to get on my knees, and that I know how to fight. If the enemy's not missing, I cannot miss. It's just a measly toy, I know, but they've perfected it. They've used little things to come at you. They've used the small things in life to come and attack you. And we've downplayed it because it's just little things. It's just small, insignificant things. But the sling and the left-handedness all plays to their advantage when they have mastered what they are doing. There's no proof of exactly why someone is left-handed. There are key factors There's ideas, there's scientists that have tried to research. They've tried to tie it to genes. They've tried to define it and they've tried to give reason that one is left-handed and not others and that sometimes it's something with the womb and sometimes it's just opinion or ideas or what they're comfortable with. But one major factor that they notice beyond the instinct that's just already there within the child is its environment. And they've noticed that if mom or dad are left-handed and they're watching mom and dad do everything with their left hand and they're doing it this way because that's how they've seen mom do it or dad do it. And so they just say, well, mom uses her left hand or dad uses his left hand, so I'm going to use my left hand. And so they just practice it until they perfect it. They just keep working at it until it becomes normal for them. Maybe they watched Brother Ehud using his left hand. Maybe, just maybe, my wife one time was folding towels and she's folding the towel and she's biting the towel and folding it and biting the towel and folding it. And I was like, what in the world is she doing? And finally it dawned on her one day, her mother who only has a thumb on her left hand could not fold the towel with both of her hands. So her mom would bite the towel and fold it, and she used what she had. And without realizing it, daughter had picked up what mother was doing without even paying attention. And so there were people that had watched somebody that not only was left-handed... But they learned how to use something to their advantage. And they learned how to war being left-handed. Maybe they noticed he wasn't doing it the same way as everybody else. And they took notice and tried it out. And it felt right. And they thought maybe we can work something out with this. Maybe we can use this to our advantage. I just did this and it works, so I'm going to keep on trying it. And I'm going to practice until I perfect it. And there is an enemy that has tried a few things out and it tripped you up and it made you stumble and it made you fall. And the others that are there saying, hey, I watched and it worked for him, so I'm going to try it too. And so one after one, they perfect it. The teacher put the hands of the pencil in the right hand 
Because 85% of all people are right-handed. But for these descendants, they were trained. They were observant, perhaps, of how one warrior did it, and they adapted. They noticed the method, and they adopted this method because they found that it worked. And if my enemy is watching, and my enemy is learning, and my enemy is practicing, and my enemy is learning to war in a different way, and they're not using the sword like we're accustomed to, they're not doing the flash and and all of this moving stuff, but now they're afar off and they seem so harmless, and they're taking people out because they have learned the trait. If they have learned to do all of that, then I better learn how to war in more ways than one. I better learn how to war in more than just the ways that I've always warred. This isn't the same fight we've always fought. It's different. The enemy today doesn't hide back and and quietly slip in. Now it is blatant. Now it is in your face and it is arrogant. And it comes and it taunts each and every one of you. It doesn't wait for you to get to the battlefield. It comes into your house. It comes in the middle of your situation. It comes at your job and at your school and it taunts you every day saying, what are you going to do about it? You can't stop the sling because I don't miss. You can't stop us because we've learned a few new tricks. If they're watching how Brother Ehud did it and learning how to do it to perfection, then there better be some here that find an elder and find out how they've done it. And you better find somebody else that says, hey, I I need to know how you war. I need to know how you pray. You need to get alongside of Sister Casey, young ladies, and say, how have you done it all these years? How have you done it? It's not the way I've always done it, but I'm willing to learn something new because what I've done isn't always going to work because the enemy, he's advancing and he's He's got strategy and he's practicing each and every day. So I've got to change it up. I better get along somebody else that says, hey, I'm weak in this area, but you're strong in this area. I need you to teach me. I'm right handed. I need you to show me how to fight with this hand. I need you to show me how to war with this hand because the enemy, he's learned. He knows how to use this hand now. So he's warring on both sides. And if all I'm doing is this, I'm going to lose. I can't miss my opportunity. Being left-handed is not what's impressive here, though. As uncommon as that may be, and the fact that even had to be mentioned in the Word of God tells us it's an uncommon thing. But being left-handed is not unheard of. If you're left-handed here tonight, raise your hand. High, high, raise it high. Just several. Now, if you're right-handed, raise your hand. 85% or more. But there are some here tonight that are left-handed. It's not unheard of. But here we find a group of men who were left-handed, no big deal. Except they were all trained with the sling, with their left hand. But what was the difference maker is these enemies were not just left-handed. 
And not just that these enemies were not using a sword, but they were using a sling. But what stood out about these men is that they could not miss. They could not miss. They had gotten their skills down to a T. They had pinpointed exactly how fast to swing the sling. What size stone to use for what enemy. When to speed up and when to slow down. The perfect time to release. And they knew they were lights out. And it changed the battle plan. It changed the strategy. If I am expecting an attack from the right... And I am expecting a sword to come at me. What do I do when now it's coming from the left and it's coming from far off and it's coming from a sling and it's coming from a people that could not miss. These adversaries of the children of Israel, the people of God had come and they could not miss. Hear me tonight church, if my enemy is skilled, if my enemy has gotten to the place where he can swing at me and not miss, then I cannot afford to miss. I I had read this passage of Scripture weeks ago, but two weeks ago in prayer in the prayer room on Sunday night before church, before I preached the first part of this message, I began to sit there and pray. I began to pray and I said, God, we can't afford to miss one opportunity. We can't afford to miss one prayer. We can't afford to just come into the house of God and write it off as just another night. We can't afford to just play games. We can't afford in this hour to just simply come and go through the motions and sing a song or two and take up an offering and and do the announcements and sing another song and hear a good word and leave the same. We can't do that. God. Maybe it worked years ago, but it's not going to work anymore. I can't miss an opportunity today. I can't take advantage of every time these doors are open because we've seen a day where all they had to do was say one word and the doors were shut and you couldn't be here and you couldn't be here. And the adversary that's fighting against the people of God then is the same adversary that's fighting the people of God to Today And you cannot miss. You can't miss a moment at an altar. You can't miss a moment to lift your hands. Because if you do, you might leave this place tonight and never come back into this house again. And I would hate for it to be said, I missed it. I missed it. It's too late in the battle. We've come too far, and there is too much at stake here. I cannot miss. A man by the name of Matthew Emmons, he was on track for the gold medal in 2004 Summer Olympics, shooting rifle. Emmons was up for his final shot. He was so far ahead of the other competitors that all he had to do was simply hit The target. It didn't matter where he hit it. He could have hit it all the way on the outside. All he had to do was hit his target. And he would win first place and win the gold. However, he prepared himself. He paused his breathing. And he took aim. 
He pulled the trigger and watched as the bullet went flying right through a bullseye. And feeling that moment of, I did it. I did it. I made it. I got the gold. However, he was puzzled when the tone indicating a hit did not sound. Matthew then realized that the bullseye he had hit was in fact the target of the man standing to his right. And he went from being so close to the gold medal to not winning anything at all as he dropped to eighth place. All he had to do was take one shot and hit the target. And if he just hit the target, then he won. But if he missed the target altogether, he lost. Hear me tonight, church. You have one opportunity in this life. You have one opportunity, young people, to get it right. You have one opportunity to make up in your mind that you're going to live for God. And you're going to do the best you can to serve Him. And here's where it lies. If you hit the target, you win. But if you miss the target, you lose everything. It doesn't matter that you shot the bullseye on somebody else's target. It doesn't matter that you were close to victory. It doesn't matter that you almost got a blessing and almost got a breakthrough. Nigh is not enough. I've never seen anybody who got second place, who lost by one point, be walked out on a podium and applauded and handed a great big grand trophy for winning second place. You know what we call second place? Losers. They took the L. They took a loss because they missed an opportunity to be victorious. Hear me tonight. We have an opportunity to make it to heaven. But if you miss heaven, the only other outcome is the other place. There's no close. There's no in between. There's no place that you can dwell that lies between heaven and hell. It's heaven or it's hell and I've got to make it. I can't afford to miss one opportunity. I can't afford to miss one moment to be in his presence or to be in his kingdom. A definition of sin is missing the mark of God's standards set for humanity. It doesn't matter how well you've done. It doesn't matter how you started off, whether you started off bad and you're finishing okay. And it doesn't matter if you started off okay and now you're struggling. The only thing that matters is that you finish well. Don't be so confident that you're not paying attention. Don't know that, hey, all I've got to do is hit the target and you're just so confident in your skills. So confident in your walk with God. So confident in your prayers. So confident in who you are. That all you've got to do is show up and it's yours. That all you've got to do is pull the trigger and it's victory. That all you've got to do is show up. Don't be cocky and arrogant. Don't be naive to think that all you have to do is show up because you're supposed to win. I've read the good book and we all win in the end. No, we don't all win at the end. 
We don't all get a crown. We don't all get to enter in. Only the ones who have lived the life and are able to hear, well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done, you who didn't miss the mark and did not fail. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. To run, I chase after it. One, one translation says, to pursue in a hostile manner. I press towards the mark. I fight towards that mark. Don't you get in my way. Don't you distract me. I'll shove you. I'll push you. I'll do whatever you got to do. I'm not here to play games. I'm not here to patty cake with you. I'm, I'm not here for any of that. But I've got to strive. I've got to press. Because I can't miss it. If you want to miss it, that's on you. But I've got to get to that place. I've got to obtain that prize in that victory. So I'll do whatever. I've got to do to ensure that I don't miss it. Nigh is not enough. I don't see anywhere where God looks at someone and says, close enough. You almost did it. Come on. You almost hit it. Come on. Great job. Nigh is not enough. I've got to win. I've got to win. Brother Robert Tisdale shared this last year sometime in one of his messages, a story that he had read. In 1979, a large passenger jet with 257 people on board left New Zealand for a sightseeing flight to Antarctica. Unknown to the pilots, however, someone had modified the flight coordinates by a mere two degrees. This error placed the aircraft 28 miles to the east of where the pilots assumed that they were. As they approached Antarctica, the pilots descended to a lower altitude to give the passengers a better look at the landscape. Although both were experienced pilots, neither had made this flight before and they had no way of knowing that the incorrect coordinates had placed them directly in the path of an active volcano that rises from the frozen landscapes at a height of more than 12,000 feet. As the pilots flew onward, the white of the snow and ice covering the volcano blended with the white of the clouds, making it appear as though they were flying over flat ground by the time the instrument sounded the warning that the ground was rising fast towards them, it was too late. The airplane crashed into the side of that volcano, killing everyone on board. It was a terrible tragedy brought on only by a minor error, a matter of only two degrees. It was a little insignificant thing. It was just a minor mix-up on the coordinates that cost them their whole life. And you have seen in your own life that there have been tragedies that you can pinpoint back to that happened over something small. 
over something little and insignificant that wasn't dealt with and it wasn't corrected. And so what happens, you've taken aim a long time ago. And it was a long time ago that it shifted just a little bit. And over time, you've just continued walking and living for God and serving God. But you've completely missed your target. And now you're wondering why it seems so far away. And and it seems like you've missed it. And it seems like you failed. And God is trying to tell somebody tonight, you can correct it. You can get it right. You don't have to miss that mark. You don't have to miss that opportunity. You don't have to fail. You don't have to miss it and see destruction. They have the one in 60 rule that says if you are one degree off and you travel 60 miles... The aircraft will be one mile off of your intended destination. Which tells us the further you go, the farther you are from your target. One degree doesn't sound like much. It's close enough, right? It's just one degree. It'll get me where I've got to go, right? Well, it depends on how long you travel. If your destination was downtown Dallas and you flew out of Houston, and you were only off one degree, you would find yourself four miles outside of your intended destination. Just one degree off from Houston to San Francisco would have you 32 miles away from where you wanted to be, which would leave you crashing into the Pacific Ocean. Nigh is not enough. We cannot miss... Our adversary is not missing. Our enemy is skilled and strategic. And it is warping the younger generation. And many are blind to it because they're being indoctrinated by things that you're not even aware of. They are using little things along the way in the battle to come at you and to fight you and to destroy you. They are using anything and everything that they can. They'll use movies. They'll use shows. They'll use books. They'll use articles. They'll use teachers. They'll use the library. They'll use your government. They'll use anything and everything they can to see that you fail. And we're too busy looking for the sword on the right. We're looking for the big, drastic, moving thing that's coming and, and working its way. And the enemy is still doing that. And But we're so worried and we're consumed by the, it's got to be close. It's not bothering me. It's so far out there. It's, it's no harm to my kids. And it's way, and it, there's no way they're being influenced by that. They don't even know what that is. They don't even know about that stuff yet. You hear me. They know about a whole lot more than they ought to know. They know more things than you'd ever give them credit for because there's an enemy that's using things that you don't even know about yet, that you're not even aware about yet. So there's got to be somebody that will rise up in this hour that says, I can't afford to miss. I can't afford to miss the mark. I've got one at this. I've got one opportunity to make it. One degree off's not good enough. One service missed might be the very thing that causes me to crumble. Let's stand all over this house tonight.
I can miss a lot of things. But in this hour, there are some things I can not afford to miss. I can miss out on birthday parties. I can miss out on concerts and events. I can miss out on an investment opportunity. I can miss out on that dream that I've always wanted. I can miss out on a lot of things that this world has to offer. And it won't bother me one bit come someday. But there are some things that I cannot afford to miss. There are divine moments in the presence of God. There are divine opportunities in His presence. That God opens a door and He says, here it is. Here's that moment you've been looking for. Don't miss it. Don't let that door close. Don't miss this opportunity. Now is the time. Don't miss it. I can't miss an opportunity to be in the house of the Lord. I can't miss an opportunity when somebody says, Hey, I've, I've been wanting to get with you. I need a Bible study. Don't miss that opportunity. Several weeks ago, a friend of mine was pastoring in Florida, preaching a service in Florida for a youth rally. title of his message that night was, We Will Not Die. We will not die. After that youth rally that night, they had an afterburner where they stay out till one or two in the morning where three young men left that afterburner in a little car. And as they were driving, one in the back seat unbuckled. He was going to fall asleep because he was tired. And while they were driving... A big dump truck coming the opposite direction, 70 miles an hour, crashed into their car, flipping them, throwing one out of the car from the back seat. As they're tossing and turning, an F-150 coming the opposite direction now hits and plows them again. The car flipping and tossing and turning. They showed video footage of them on the scene. One young boy hanging outside of the car, one crossed through the field, one still in the car. And as they're videoing, these three young men are sitting there, they're praying. And they're crying out to God. And the reports say that all three of those young men kept saying, they're saying, we will not die. We will not die. We will not die. That was Friday. On Sunday, all three of them were in their homes, completely unharmed, untouched, and unscratched. Now, what if the preacher that night said, I'm going to just preach some feel-good message. I'm going to preach something that will just tickle their ears and make them get excited. I've got to hit. You don't know how many times that me and this man over here probably cry out. We don't want to just come with a word. Because you know what a word does sometimes? 
But when you get on your knees and you say, God, I can't miss. I can't miss one opportunity of renewal. I can't miss an opportunity for revival. I cannot miss an opportunity to make sure that I'm ready for the rapture of the church. Boys, Sarah, I want y'all to come up here. Camden Cohen. Hear me, church. I have one life to live. I have one opportunity to get it right for this guy right here so that I can give it to these right here. I've got one opportunity to make sure that I haven't wasted their time and that I've discipled them and told them about the love of God and told them about the grace of God and told them of His mighty acts and told them of all that He's done. I can't think of anything worse than getting to those gates one day and hearing you were close. Your family was so close. You almost hit the target, but you had your eyes set on somebody else's target. Your goal was set somewhere else on another thing, another ambition, another desire. But you missed the moment. Oh God, hear me tonight. I cannot. Nigh is not enough. If I hit it, I'm a victor. If I hit the mark, I'm victorious. I'm triumphant. But if I miss, oh, I have lost everything. What doth it profit a man? If he gains the whole world and loses his own soul. I open these altars tonight. I open the aisle, the pew, wherever you're at. Somebody's got to get this in their spirit tonight. I can't miss an opportunity. I can't miss an opportunity to pray. I can't miss one service. I can't miss one opportunity to tell somebody about God. I can't miss one opportunity to tell my children. Oh, 
I can't miss an opportunity to see that they are saved and to tell them about water baptism and tell them about repentance and tell them about the necessity of salvation. I have an adversary that doesn't miss right now. Oh God, and if it's not missing, Lord, what would happen if I miss? It could destroy me. It could take out my family. It could take out one of my friends. It could take out my neighbor. Oh God, I can't miss. Oh God, I can't miss.